0: To get started, visit plushcare.com weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello
1: and welcome to the New Books Network. I'm Isabel Machado and I'll be your host for this episode, which is part of our special series, New Books and Celebration Studies. And today I am happy to be talking to Dr. Barbara Grabher about her new book, Doing Gender in Events, Feminist Perspectives in Critical Event Studies, published by Routledge in 2021. Exploring the relationship between gender and events, this book delivers an ethnographic analysis of the celebration of gender equality in the context of cultural-led events. Drawing upon critical event studies, anthropology of the festive and gender studies, it provides a comprehensive understanding of the entangled conceptual entities of gender and events. Through a gendered analysis of the whole UK City of Culture 2017, it expands epistemological perspectives relevant to the study of events. Dr. Barbara Grabher investigates the intersections of gender, urban, and critical event studies. She currently works as a postdoctoral researcher in the Institute of Geography and Regional Sciences at the University of Graz, Austria. Barbara, welcome to New Books and Celebration Studies. Thank you very much for having me. So, I always like to start with uh, this question because I'm really curious about books' origin stories. So, how did this book come about?
2: Thank you so much for this question. I actually really like the idea to think about an origin of a story. Um, I think every writing has its own kind of life of its own, and for me, I, I tend to use the metaphor of the, metaf- uh, the, the confetti again, um, I use it in the first line of the book as kind of the introduction to my research, and, and it draws back on the idea of me being in the middle of fieldwork in, in the so-called LGBT50 celebrations, and I was in this confetti shower at the end of the week-long celebration. And as you can imagine, there's like four different phases to a confetti shower, if you wanna say. So there's this moment of surprise when confetti is being blasted into the air. There's the element where you have very particular kind of views because the different paper snippets are coloring the vision that you have in front of you. And then you have the slow dance of confetti until they touch the ground, and kind of get into all the cracks and and corners um, that you probably will never find them all again. And this is something that I connect with the the origin story of this book. Um, I had this moment of surprise when I initially got invited to do my PhD at the University of Hull. I got this moment of surprise, actually moved back into academia after working in museum and archival settings for a very long time, working on migration history. And moving back into academia has been quite a challenge at that point, but at the same time was a really exciting period and a really big period of surprise to actually be able to move to a new country, get involved with a new kind of setting of um, how work is being created within the academic knowledge production. So this element of surprise kind of came to this, this spectacular vision that you get when you have confetti floating all around you. And I find myself always thinking about this moment of confetti floating around me when I think about what was going on in the research. So on the one side, the field work that I was allowed to conduct in whole UK City of Culture 2017. And on the other side as well, the whole experience of getting to know a new field in terms of event studies and critical event studies. And both of those experiences just allowed me to grow massively as a human and as an academic. The This moment as well from like this incredible vision that you get from confetti floating all around you, kind of went into this slow dance, very graceful dance of confetti going back down towards the ground. And um, this moment for me is very strongly connected to the idea of my writing process. Um, I am in a lucky position, actually. I know a lot of people really have struggles with writing, but I was in a lucky position to find a very interesting way to relate to my writing. I had a lot of support in respect to writing retreats and a writing mentor to really enjoy that writing process. And it was twofold of first writing, two years on my thesis for my doctoral degree, and then um, having the opportunity to turn the thesis into a book, which is now the now published book. So I had a very interesting, a very dynamic way of writing about it. And this kind of dance of the confetti towards the ground kind of symbolizes for me the experience of writing the book, uh, the experience of of engaging with the material that I had beforehand collected. And for me, the final phase is actually the one that I'm in right now. As, As you might know, like confetti has this really annoying habit to just get like stuck everywhere. And um, it's beautiful, but as well, like this weird situation that even years afterwards, you can still find confetti in every corner in your apartment. Um, So I'm in now this very interesting position where after publishing the book, I'm moving into new perspectives and new um, projects where these confettis that they have touched the ground and they have created these very exciting experiences are now being informative and inspiring to new projects and new ideas in my situation of orientating myself in my postdoctoral phase. So this kind of summarizes it up in terms of the the origin, how the book came about, how the process was happening.
1: Yes, and I, I really enjoyed that uh, that opening. I think anybody who studies celebrations, festivities or events can relate to that image of the confetti you transported me to, I don't know, carnivals and uh, drag uh, pageants, so that was really beautiful. I'm interested in your analysis, your perception of this relationship between the two, uh, gender and events, and, and why do you think that's important. But first things first, I really like uh, to open these interviews by defining some key concepts. And this might be an, uh, sound like an obvious question to some folks, but it's not, right? We know these things can be defined in a number of ways. So let's start, uh, can you tell us how do you define event? And how is this different from other associated terms such as activity or festival or celebration?
2: Yeah, I think that question is crucial. Um, and especially in event studies, we there's a tendency to be like uh, very fascinated with definitions um, and discussions about definitions. So I, I think it's really important, especially because the term event is a very uh, omnipresent term within colloquial language, and basically everything is addressed as an event. Um, for the sake of this research, um, I'm using an idea of event as a planned event, and I'm borrowing this from Getz, who describes it in his introduction to event, uh, event studies, that actually we have a an understanding of events that comes from this planned perspective. So it's a, a remarkable occurrence, but it is something where experiences to some extent are designed or planned to become in a certain kind of way there is an element of spontaneity but there's overall the idea that there's a certain kind of planning in these processes this element of planned is really important in order to distinguish it from accidental events so kind of like personal traumas uh, natural disasters and so forth Um, because there's a different dynamic behind them this planned aspect is really important i have to say though i'm I'm using the idea of the planned event, according to Getz, as a as a framework to think in, but I don't use the term planned events in my writing. Um, this has to do with the personal style, but at the same time, it has to do with this uh, obsession in event studies to define very clearly and very concisely. There's another discussion that I don't engage with, which is the question of like size and scale, where there's a lot of... Debates about what is a mega event, what is a giga event, what is a large scale event and so forth. The events that I research, so whole UK City of Culture 2017, could be defined as a cultural mega event, which is up to debate as well. But for me, that's how I kind of conceptualize them. And actually, the only really important category for me is to define events through the thematic interest. And so I use within the book, um, I use the term of the equality themed events because I'm interested in events that have a certain kind of thematic interest in the overall question of justice, of equality, um, in their form, structure, or content. So this is kind of the definatory grounds that I'm moving in. There is, in, in my research, there's not a clear distinction between the categories of activity, festival, celebrations, and events. I use them quite interchangeably, um, quite to be specific about this, because I generally tend to use term event as the most generic notion that can be used um, in order to describe the kind of happenings that i'm researching Um, but when a an event uses its own kind of self-identification with another term i tend to use those as well so for example i have this example of the lgbt50 celebration which is a commemorative celebration of the 50th uh, anniversary of the partial decriminalization of homosexuality in england and wales so because this self-describe themselves as celebration. I use the term celebration, but that is coming out of the fieldwork practice as coming out of the material, empirical material. This is not coming from a conceptual discussion on how to distinguish celebrations and events, but rather I look at them in terms of like what their self-description is, but use the overall term of events. Yes,
1: uh, I really enjoyed reading that, your, your definitions and, and thinking about how I define, right? since we decided to name this podcast, uh, New Books and Celebration Studies, and and it includes different things as well. So second question about uh, defining stuff. Uh, You you argue here that, uh, and I'm quoting you, the subject of gender and the investigated cultures of gender equality require further attention. So I'd like to know, how do you define gender here? And what do you mean by cultures of gender equality?
2: Okay, so I am um, first going to answer the first question, the how do you, how do I define gender? Um, it's kind of saying it already in the title of the book with the idea of the doing gender approach, uh, I'm coming from a constructivist understanding of gender. And first and foremost, the most important thing is I define gender as a social category, not as a biological one, which means that we are not of one gender, but we are doing a gender. Um, So we have a practice of um, gendering, so to say, and this is something really important to me as gender becomes therefore a habit, it becomes um, an activity and action that we reproduce in our everyday life, that we reproduce in our social encounters and in the power dynamics and power relationships that we're situated in. And from an analytical point of view, it actually becomes interesting because I take this kind of doing gender approach. and I'm interested in the idea of how gender is a category that we do within the context when we celebrate. So this is to overall understand my understanding of gender. It's really important to clarify there that gender is not a category that can be reduced to the ideas of men and women, but gender is so much more than that. And otherwise as well, for me, it's really important to in this gender sensitive perspective take also an intersectional perspective so that means that um, various categories of identities uh, overlap and intersect with each other and in my research specifically the relationship between gender and sexual orientation mainly due to the fact what kind of um, events i look at specifically are really partic- really important to my research angles and my research perspectives in in intersectional contexts this to be saying about gender. The idea of the cultures of gender equality is a bit more complex to um, narrow it down, or, or is something that I've been quite struggling with as well to find the right kind of terms or ideas for it. But um, I, I try to make it the most concise possible. The idea behind it is that cultures of gender equality address the social cultural values that um, connect to the political project of gender equality so speaking about gender equality i see this as the practice and the process maybe even the product of the feminist political movement or movements in plural and in my research i intentionally don't define what gender equality has to be but i actually ask my field what gender equality means to them and this is where the culture element comes in because um with the idea of the uh, with the notion of Culture actually tried to understand how this value of surrounding gender equality becomes negotiated within the community that celebrates this idea of equality together. And I very much, in a short term, a short description, I, I use Hall's description of culture as the idea of sharing meanings in a community. So The intention or the investigation of cultures of gender equality becomes an investigation of the shared meanings regarding the political practice process and politics of gender equality.
1: Uh, Your book is part of the Routledge Critical Event Studies research series. And so could you tell us what is our Critical Events Studies and how would that be different? again, from other scholarship that investigates events, festivities, celebrations? Well, in other words, what's critical about critical event studies?
2: This is such a great question to ask it like that. Um, So critical event studies as such is a perspective that is emerging um, again. And I think it plays a certain kind of idea on the concept of events, we are situated in a context where at least from a European UK perspective, event studies is very much connected to the professionalization of the field, the instrumentalization of the field of events. And it very much deals with the idea of event management, um, and also questions of placemaking, image, um, I- image campaigns, and so forth, that are all connected around the idea of events. And critical event studies as an emerging field within the overall event studies um, discourses goes a step back and actually reflects about this idea of what events are in the first place. There's the questioning their own subject um, in itself. And it's really interesting because there's a lot of awareness towards the own heritage within the discipline uh, or within the field of study. Because if we look at the history of the study of events, we're actually in, I mean not speaking of the 19th century, but we could start there, but especially in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, we have a very strong attention to the field of events through a perspective of anthropology and sociology. So critical event studies does a similar kind of approach where it takes those questions that actually would be asked from an anthropological point of view towards events, but places it in a kind of newer framework as such. I think it's very interesting to consider that as well in relationship to other names, so to say, for a similar kind of research interest. So if we take this into consideration from a perspective of anthropology of the festive festive studies, celebration studies, and so forth, I think there's a, a common denominator that actually asks this um, critical, socially engaged questions towards the field of events. And this is how I would describe the context or the research framework that understands this critical event studies as such. At the same time i want to say that the terminology of critical event studies is quite new as said it's it's only just emerging it's it's uh, a community of researchers picking up on those kind of threats and i think this also makes the beauty of it so it's not something that is um like has a, a huge body of literature that we're basing it on but there's loads of questions that can be asked towards um critical event study uh, towards the event studies framework that might not otherwise be so present when we only look at it through a management side. And this is what really inspires me in this field. Um, And that makes this field really interesting and exciting because it's on one side, a really interesting subject matter of uh, looking at events in all its sorts and forms and manners, but at the same time, giving this opportunity to actually ask those really reflective, critical questions in respect to ideas that might otherwise not be looked at or overlooked in an event setting.
1: Yeah. One thing that stood out here was when you said that events are tools for meaning making, could you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. So that is, that is for me, one of the guiding phrases when I think about critical event studies. And when I think about events in general, it's the idea that events are a, an expression of the site zeitgeist of the celebratory community. Um, And I. Really like to use here. This um, I have noted it down just to make sure I say the name right. There's a book "Time Out of Time," uh, one of the first edited volumes on yeah um, anthropological discourses on events from the ni- late 1980s, and the the editor summarizes that uh, Alessandro Falasi summarizes that events are markers of society, and they play with the notions and values that a society and communities share. And specifically, one of my favorite quotes that I also use in the book is the social function and the symbolic meaning of festivals are closely related to a series of overt values that the community recognizes as essential to its ideology and worldview, which in accordance to his considerations and what I would like to express as well with the idea of events as tools for meaning making is actually that ideology and worldview is actually what the festival celebrates. So it is a really guiding kind of idea for me that we have these tools. We have these events as platforms for negotiating meaning, for making meaning, for reproducing meanings. And specifically, um, Rebecca Finkel, who is one of the contemporary scholars in um, critical event studies, quite clearly make it straightforward of like saying events do not take place in a vacuum. They're always an expression of what is happening in society today and what is happening in the celebratory community that's going on. And therefore events are the tools for meaning making.
0: This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at sax.com.
1: Yes. Yeah, I think that's what draws many of us, at least it, it, that's my case to the this this field and uh you've mentioned it i mentioned it in my introduction your analysis focus specifically on the celebration of the whole uk city of culture 2017 but there might be folks listening to this who like myself before i read your book and your your article before that do not know what, what anything about this uh, particular event. So, could you give us some background and some context uh, first about what are the city of culture events, and why did you focus on this one specifically?
2: Okay, um, so this is a question where I have to keep myself really short because I can go on forever and ever <laughs> about this. Um, To answer your question, what a City of Culture or Capital of Culture events, um, I I need to say I dedicated the whole second chapter to this, and I really hope that this works as a summary or analysis to anybody who's working in that or studying that field. To overall capture it, the City Capital of Culture framework um, is very much influenced by its first initiative, which was the European Capital of Culture, which started in uh, 1985. And the program has run ever since so we have had in Europe every or in the EU sorry I need to be specific about that in the EU we have had um, over sixty different cities that have carried the title of city of culture and it has been considered one of the most successful cultural programs in the European Union um, and again been there has been another legislative period now where this program has been expanded and and um, considered to be um, Yeah, advanced for the next period of another 10 years of running. And the interesting thing is because it has been so successful, it actually had spin-off effects such as UK City of Culture and established in various different geographical parameters. So we have like on a city level, we have on a country level, we have the Italian City of Culture, the UK City of Culture. We also have um, the Arab Capital of Culture. So there's like various different spin-offs that come from it. And in consideration of these different developments, specifically when looking at the European capital of culture and then in respect also the UK city of culture, we see a very strong development within that um, life of the initiative. So from initially being a very much presentation of arts and culture, we go into uh, in the 90s and 2000s, we have a situation where economic and social regenerative potential has been kind of the the kind of driving force behind it. And currently, we see a new phase coming in where um, actually beyond those economic and social regenerative intentions, there is an intention for cultural and political and ide- ideological transformation within those capital of culture frameworks. Um, this is often addressed as the reprogramming of European capital of culture. And specifically, if we then look at the spin offs, like the UK city of culture, we have a situation where um, Liverpool 2008 has been European capital of culture and was in their story or success story um, framing this incredible idea of what the European capital of culture can do. And so the national interpretation was born. Hull, in that sense, is the second city to be awarded the title after Derry London Derry in 2013. Um, and the UK City of Culture program very much looks at urban regenerative potential or issues and it's a clear selection criteria of why a certain city will be given the title or not Um, and this is where it becomes very interesting so on the one side we have a uk city of culture program that is really interested in urban regeneration through the lens of an event on the other side we have a stronger and stronger attention to transformation through a cultural socio-cultural um, lens and this is where Hull became particularly interesting. I have to be very honest; like, there was a very pragmatic situation why I chose Hull because the funding required me to work on the city of Hull. But at the same time, it was really good to actually have the city as the framework because it combines on the one side a very traditional, under quotation marks, traditional mega event with its setup of like four seasons of programming, three hundred and sixty-five days of transformative culture, as the intention. But at the same time, they had a really strong focus on gender equality or equality themes in general within their programming. So it was a lucky coincidence to some extent, at the same time a pragmatic decision to look at Hull. Because Hull is just a really interesting city in itself. Um, It's a medium-sized city in the north of England in the county of Yorkshire. And is a city that has been having loads of economic difficulties, socioeconomic difficulties since the 1970s. It was formerly known as one of the biggest ports in the UK, uh, massively bombed in Second World War, and then um, massively suffering as well in the 1970s and 80s. On the one side from the decline of the fishing industry in Europe, on the other side as well from austerity politics during the 1980s um, and the Thatcher regime. And so the city's application to the title was actually um, with the slogan of a city coming out of its shadows. And the selection committee really appreciated this idea of this really strong urban regenerative character and interest and therefore awarded Hull with the title to be celebrated in 2017. And it was a really interesting experience as well to see the city fulfilling this idea of coming out of its shadows, but also negotiating very much what can be done with a mega event. I was part of the evaluation team as well on the City of Culture within the Culture, Place and Policy Institute. And it was a really interesting um discussion constantly of like, yes, there's this rhetoric of celebrating, of transforming the city and so forth. But then at the same time, it's this question, what can events actually do in respect to urban regeneration? What is possible through those kind of frameworks of city and capital of culture uh, to, to frame it and to understand it in what way they are positioning themselves within this intention of the place marketing campaigns that are going on within the UK, but as well beyond.
1: And could you talk a a bit also about your methodology, your research process? This is another question I really like to ask because it feels like talking shop with fellow scholars, and I always learn so much. And I was really curious about your collaboration with your observing participants.
2: Yes. Awesome. Um... This is a question that I always ask people to ask me. So this is a a little (laughs) bit of planned question because this is the one thing that I was really upset about when turning my thesis into a book. Like you have the situation that you have to kick out certain things that were really important in the thesis that you cannot address within the book or have to address in a really reduced kind of manner. So thank you so much for that question. And I'm sorry for the additional advertisement. I speak about or I, I discuss this Uh, collaboration with observing participants in detail in a a paper of mine called Observing with Participants. So more details there, (laughs) but just to briefly summarize the the intentions that I have with that uh, or the the methodological approaches that I chose. As mentioned beforehand, it's an ethnographic approach. And um, my idea was to look at a triad of stakeholders. So um, within the kind of classical understanding of the arts market, of course, the event market is not the art market, but it kind of matches up in this in this context. Uh, there is a um, position of the political, of the managerial, of the infrastructural level. There is a position of the practical, the artistic level, and there is a position of the perceptive, the audience level. And I wanted to replicate that in respect to my research design and how I come about um, my research in general. So, if you translate these kind of um, stakeholder situations into Research participants. Um, I had interviews on a political managerial level um, with the organizational team of whole two thousand seventeen, including creative directors, including board members and producers that had like overall uh, an influence how the year was planned and 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 run. On the practical level, um, I had the possibility on the one side to engage with um, participative observation within the artistic contents that were presented within the context of the event of whole 2017, but also the specific selected events within the year. And I also had interviews with producers of particular events. I had uh, interviews with artists working for, in the researched events. And this was very interesting to be discussing in such detail with different um, individuals, what they were uh, creatively expressing in this kind of event context. And so the final kind of angle of this triad of stakeholders was the one that I was really ambitious and, and really eager for, and it was the question of the audience. Um, I It was from the beginning onwards really important to me that I'm going to engage with audiences. It was really important to me to have an appropriate approach to fieldwork where I can include audiences as a really essential part. And it was something that was... Um, really tricky to me in terms of reading about event studies, reading about also generally about audience engagement in artistic production, um, that a lot of the literature is either quantitative or it has a tendency to speak about the audience, but not with the audience. So my intention was um, to very much bring the voices of the audience out and into the research as them being the perceivers, the the, enga- the ones that are engaging with all these happenings around them. And what I did for that was um, to create a collaboration with a team of so-called observing participants, which are 10 people in Citizens of Hope, who worked with me for a year as citizen scientists. Um, and their so-called job was to go to different kind of events that were selected or pre-selected or suggested by them and observe. The event. So while participating in the event, they would also observe this event and they would uh, take notes, take photographs, take anything that would help them remind themselves of the experience of this event. And we would meet up normally after the event, probably like one or two days later on, however logistically possible, and have an in-depth conversation about this experience. Also supported by these kind of social artifacts that they picked up and and the kind of notes that they took for themselves. And this experience or this collaboration... um, I did not imagine it beforehand to be so rich and to be so successful to some extent, but it was my absolute highlight of doing the fieldwork. It was amazing to be working with that group of 10 observing participants. Each individual carries so much to research. They've been really involved in terms of how the data collection took place sometimes even influenced how the analysis took place in terms of what kind of emphasis they gave to certain themes how they engaged with certain issues and certain events and so this was definitely one of the kind of key elements within the research and everybody uh, who reads the book actually will hear like how strong the voice of the participants of these of these festival participants are how important it is to actually speak to the audience and know what the audience thinks about what they're experiencing right there and this was really key for me to have that, those voices really present within the exploration, within the investigation that I was doing within this whole UK City of Culture 2017 event.
1: Yes, and it, it provides a really interesting and I think useful framework for anybody who is looking at events of this nature, of this stature. So uh, I really appreciated that. Uh, your different chapters deal with uh, different parts of the triad and different subjects, but since it was more aligned with my uh, my field of work, the things that I observe, I was particularly interested in your exploration of performances in chapter four. Mm-hmm. And uh, as and I'm going to quote you again, you say that the performers themselves become representatives of the celebrated values. They carry responsibility for producing cultures of gender equality. How and why was that?
2: So this is actually really interesting in relation to the other question of the observing participant, because this is the point that actually I was aware that I will have to someday speak about performers in all of this. But it was the observing participants who made it very clear like this is in a crucial aspect. We have to talk about who is responsible for the contents that we're actually consuming. Consuming, taking it as a very difficult word, but using that word for now. And um, they, the entire group, every individual, so often referred when asked about cultures of gender equality, they so often referred to the performers in a way that made it very clear like, they need to be taken seriously, that these performers are in many different ways representatives of the contents that is being going on. And as suggested then later on with the analysis of statements by the so-called performers become really crucial elements of responsibility towards the contents that is being produced. I I might need to clarify that when I use the word performers, um, this is again like in the terms of events, Performers is the most generic form that i could use in order to describe all the different kinds of positions of people who are involved in creating the artistic content within the event so with performers i sometimes mean people who are actually on stage very classically but i can also mean um program directors i can also mean staff members who are doing some stage management um i can also mean some Uh, visual artists who are exhibiting in in some kind of form within an event. So performance is just the most generic notion that I'm using here. And the whole attention to this question of the responsibility and this kind of positionality where performers situate themselves within this produced content was actually coming from, I would say, a conflict of interest that I had with uh, uh, one of the performers. Uh, She was a programmer um, of a festival and the festival was very much dedicated to gender equality and feminist contents, I would broadly say, um, or use that as a banner, um, as a, yeah, uh, as a banner for itself. And the programmer, when I interviewed her was, and I asked her about um, how she would relate to the topic of the, of the celebration or of that festival, she actually responded to me that she has massive problems because she doesn't identify as a feminist. And, I was super stunned by this answer and I have to say, to be honest, I was quite judgmental when I initially heard that sentence Um, because I was like, how can that be? Like you're programming a feminist festival, how can you not identify as a feminist? But I I left that judgmental comment in the back of my head and tried to reconsider her statement in various different kind of ways. And actually it started to inspire me to then ask other artists, performers and other kind of Um, performers in general to ask them as well about this question how they relate to their own topic of their of their event or the festival or celebration and it was super interesting then coming back to the uh, the lgbt 50 celebration when i would discuss there with performers about their relationship with the content first of all interestingly it was mainly gay men who were performing within this event but secondly very interestingly in every single occasion when i asked how performer was relating to the content of the performance every single person said i am gay and obviously as doing research i was not satisfied with that answer um it was quite basic so i was kind of asking further what that self-identification meant and it was super interesting to me to actually have consistently that narrative of the performers professional political and personal circumstances that overlapped that interacted in some kind of way that actually led the individuals to engage and devote and dedicate their artistic practice, their engagement with these events, to let to that moment or to that situation that they would engage with these questions of cultures of gender equality. So when I speak about the carrying responsibility for cultures of gender equality, it's on the one side what is perceived and, and considered by observing participants, by the audiences in the festival, but on the other side as well, What the individuals take as their, the individual performers take as their identity, as part of their biographies, as part of their professional devotion, it makes it very clear that their creative practice is definitely not a nine-to-five job, but actually a continuous combination of their personal, professional, and creative um, expression that they were doing. Really important there, however, is a comment by an artist in a festival I'm not going to name the festival here, but just to generally address it because she was saying we have to be really careful on the one side. This is true. There is a responsibility of performers for the contents. There is a responsibility of performers uh, for their contents, but she makes it very clear as well that we can't romanticize it. We have to consider as well the infrastructural levels as um, it is not just, it can't just be the role of the, the performer but it also has to be the role of all the infrastructural settings around it. So she's prefer, for example, she, she referred to the producers, to the political level, to the management decisions that also have to be committed um, on all levels to the contents of gender equality. Otherwise, the performer's responsibility become kind of blurred into a weird kind of structural discussion on what is actually possible when the structures don't match the practices.
1: Exactly. And this this framework of the Stakeholder's Triad provides a much, uh, I think, richer way for us to read or try to understand and document these uh, public performances. So that was really uh, interesting to read. You end the book with an outlook for future research. So could you talk about some of the examples or... uh, the, the suggestions, that the things that you propose here?
2: Yeah. Um, so this was one of the aspirations in the book. Um, in a thesis, you kind of have to follow certain guidelines and you can't really do that in such a way in a conclusion. But in the book, and I wouldn't call it a conclusion in the book, rather an outlook, um, I was really keen to take this as a point to hopefully inspire future researchers um, and students to engage with these questions that I've just been tackling here in the content of my, in the content of my book, but as well in kind of like the, the theoretical discussions that are going on around here. So what I did was to formulate three recommendations. And um, so the first one was on the need for further consideration of uh, the entangled research between gender and events. The second one was related to questions of uh, the need to investigate from a critical perspective, infrastructures of events. And the third one was to do with the situation of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic and its effects for events. I will not have the time to talk about the infrastructural question and the COVID question, but I would like to address the first recommendation Um, and because it might be the most obvious one, but at the same time, it's one of the most important ones. So obviously, as somebody who has been researching gender and events in their entanglements, in their relationships with each other, I am convinced that this is a really important topic. I am very strongly supporting this idea that there's a lot of relationships between the way we celebrate and the way we express and do gender. There's a lot of relationships on how events reproduce the ideas that we're having about gender and um, how they can distort or or support different forms and different expressions of gender. And it is really important to me, and it's my conviction that the scientific community needs to further research on these kind of events that we're talking about here in in the form of this podcast through a gender sensitive lens. And this field is only just emerging. And this is a, a discussion that hasn't been going on for a very long time. It has to do with the developments of the two different fields. It has to do with the lack of interconnectedness. But one of the things that is quite clear is that within this emerging field, first of all, we need more research on this. Secondly, as well, we need to diversify the research much more because what is happening right now, and I'm part of this problem as well because I'm researching equality-themed events, what we need to do is to branch out to events that might not have anything in the first place to do with gender um, or equality or anything like that. Um, We need to actually address... The question of gender in events that might be even contra um, any kind of uh, new imaginations new ideas and new uh, practices of living of, of gender so in the book I, I address these three questions and they're just like kind of um, polemic um, ideas um, and maybe just serve as inspiration but for me it would be desperately the question of like for example how does gender how is gender addressed in rural harvest fe- festivals how are Automotive sporting events, uh, negotiating femininities and masculinities, or how are military parades projecting notions of justice and equality? As said, these are quite general ideas, but I hope to spark the intention or the, the interest in these kind of questions to actually spark and get people involved in further thinking about how we can associate the idea of gender and the idea of events with each other and read them through each other.
1: Yes, and I see, uh, you know, a special issue or a, a book uh, sometimes, uh, sometime in the future on this. That would be awesome. So I'm just, just throwing it out there to anybody who might be listening. And speaking of uh, special issues, I usually end this interview uh, asking folks what they're working on next, and I'll definitely do that. But first, uh, a bit, I hope the listeners don't mind. I don't think they will. This is a New Books and Celebration Studies uh, podcast after all. But we'll do a little bit of uh, shameless self-promotion here and talk about our collaboration, our forthcoming collaboration, There's a new special issue of the Journal of Festive Studies that's about to come out, depending on when you listen to this, it might already be out, so you can check the Journal of Festive Studies website for that. But we're uh, talking about uh, the materiality of festivity. I had the pleasure of guest editing it. Barbara has an awesome uh, article there that will deal with some of the themes that we talk here. So here's my, uh, my invitation for folks to check that out. And what are you up to? What are you working on next?
2: Uh, great question. So on, <laughs> <laughs> this is always the interesting part, no? when you're finishing a big project and you're in this very interesting position of, of reorientation. And this is actually the lucky position I'm in at the moment. I'm currently preparing for a new project um i am looking into aspects that i address within the book but i'm going beyond the immediate research perspectives of gender and events with this i as part of the uh, of Graz university and part of this uh, institute for geography i was really interested to continue with the question of critical event studies i'm really interested to continue on questions of city and capital of culture research Um, So I would like to, I I continue to look further at event led regenerative strategies, um, but I will address a different case study and um, the one that I'm hopefully able to look at is the Austrian European Capital of Culture for 2024, which is um, Bad Ischl Salzkammergut, which is an Alpine region, not just the city, but actually applied as a region. And um, I will take the conceptual understanding of events and celebrations as a platform to negotiate social cultural values further, but haven't defined yet my specific interest. There's loads of different ideas coming up in terms of um, heritage. is a really qu- interesting question. There, social political issues are really interesting. There, ecological questions are really interesting. In this context, obviously, the always ongoing discussion about sustainability is um, really important there. And they're all part of my radar, but I am in an orientation phase and really enjoying that I can be um, in order to define where my research journey will take me further. What is definitely uh, sure for this next research project is that gender will be in some kind of way part of it because the gender lens is something that once you've put on, you can never take off. So the intersectional relational considerations will definitely play a role as well in my future research project, as will the event context. And to kind of um, answer this question in the same way as I started, I will come back to the idea of the paper snippets of confetti that are now lingering all around my office and all around my different kind of workspaces. Um, I'm in the lucky, really beautiful position of actually picking up now those different kind of paper snippets, looking at them, seeing where they might take me and take the book, um, my book, Doing Genders and Events to be kind of the starting point to take those paper snippets, to take them further into other kinds of research on events, festivals, celebrations in all kinds of forms of matter within a new field site um, and probably a new kind of orientation, but definitely connected to the things that have been addressed within the book so far
1: yes well i look forward to continue to follow your trajectory i wish you the best of luck with this new project that seems fascinating and once you have uh, another book out i hope you'll come here and talk uh, uh, about it with us so barbara thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today thank you so much for having me on the podcast it was really great talking to you and to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to this new episode of New Books and Celebration Studies, a special series from the New Books Network. I just spoke with Dr. Barbara Graber about her new book, Doing Gender in Events, Feminist Perspectives in Critical Event Studies, published by Routledge in 2021. I'm Zabba Machado, and until next time.